Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you guys all here. Good morning to those watching online with us this morning. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life. And we are in a journey together this year in a teaching series called Awaken. And we are in the book of Acts together. Now, so far, we're almost, well, today we'll wrap up chapter one together. But uh, a little warning, if you will. Here's the warning. The last couple weeks, you can look at the book of Acts and think it's exciting and maybe perhaps inspiring. This week is very humbling. So that's my warning. I'm going to get at times very passionate. May my passion not come across as anger. I prayed for a spirit of gentleness this morning. I'm just very passionate, okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, he still loves me. <laughs> I do, I love you. I'm just passionate. I love teaching God's word. It's alive and active today. As many years, as 2,000 years ago as it was written by that, those group of guys, it is alive and active, and God uses it to change lives. Amen, friends? Come on, I, I, man, I went to schooling for this, and... Uh, mm. I'm fired up this morning. I'm fired up. I hope you are too. I hope you're a note taker, by the way, too, because uh, just to warn you, I have a ton of scripture. All right? That's the warning. So if you're like, Pastor Ryan, I can't keep up. This is the beauty of having it online. You could always go back and get the notes, okay? All right. So if you got your Bible, if you have your phone, turn with me to Acts. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 15 through 26, because Pastor Brandon last week left off at verse 14. I titled this message, The Choice, The Choice, and we're going to wrap up chapter 1. But if you haven't been here the last two weeks, let me just get caught up what's happening in the book of Acts. You and I have four guys that write on the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four guys, they're known as the gospel writers, who write about the life of Jesus Christ. Then, one of those writers, Luke, continues his story and writes Acts. This is the Acts of the disciples, which you and I, their language gets changed to apostles. So you have the Acts of the apostles. You could also say, this is the Acts of the early church. And so what Jesus has told his disciples up to this point in the book of Acts, in the end of Matthew's gospel, he writes that Jesus tells his guys, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, for surely I am with you to the ends of this age. So Jesus is saying, you guys have a mission, it's to go and make disciples, a.k.a. make little Jesuses out of everyone you come in contact with. Enter into faith. And then what we have is Jesus is there and he's in this room with the disciples for, he appears for 40 days. That's known as the 40 days. You have the resurrection where Jesus defeats death and we celebrate Easter three days later, the, empty, the tomb is empty. That's the resurrection. And then you have what's known as the ascension. So after Jesus comes back from the grave, he's here for 40 days, and then he ascends into heaven. And so what has happened so far is Jesus is kind of giving them last instructions about this idea of going to making disciples. 
And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And while staying with them, he, referring to Jesus, ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but what, friends? But wait. The last commandment. I gave you this commandment, second to last, go and make disciples of all nations. Now my last commandment. Wait, you can't do this alone. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John the Baptist, his cousin, baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then Jesus goes on in verse 8 and says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And now you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he's saying you can't go and make disciples without this. Don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait till you have this power that God's going to send you. It's his promise. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't like waiting. Do you? Like, I don't like it. What do you do in the midst of waiting? Sometimes I try to be like, I'm, I'm sick of waiting. I'm just going to do it myself. Right? You just forget it. You know what the disciples are doing? Now Jesus goes into heaven. It's his ascension. And, and the disciples are, as Pastor Brandon unpacked last week, what are they doing? They're praying together. I don't know what you do in the wait, but is it marked by prayer? I'm sitting there going, hurry up, God. You're not on my time. I got things to do. And if you're not going to do it, let me move it for you to get it done, right? But they're in prayer together. And this is where we pick up now in verse 15. They have been waiting for this power. They're united in prayer together. In verse 15, it picks up this way. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So you have his 11 disciples at this moment. You have Jesus' brothers. You have Jesus' mother, Mary, who's with them, and some other women. There's about 120 of them waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And said, this is what Peter said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Stop right there. The scripture had to be fulfilled. Here's the very first lesson that you and I are getting out of verse 16. Is this. Any move of God or work of God is a fulfillment of his word. Every time that you see a move or a work of God, it is he is fulfilling the scriptures. He's fulfilling his word. Let me give you a couple examples. Anytime someone comes to faith, a saving faith in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, that they've surrendered their lives and gone all out with Jesus, here is a fulfillment of Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what, friends? Will be saved. Every time a person enters into salvation, it's a fulfillment of God's word, that God is moving and working on people's lives. It's a fulfillment of his promise. And know this, God's promises are always yes and amen. He will fulfill every promise that we have in scripture. How about this? When people get healed, why does God heal some and heal others? I don't have that answer. But I know this, I'm going to trust in God's ways and his faithfulness. And I'll pray even though, listen, I have ulcerative colitis, I'm not healed of it. I've had it for over 16 years. I'm praying God healed me of it. I'm sick of getting medicine in my hand every eight weeks. I'm tired of it. I want healing. I don't know if God will heal this or not, but I'm praying. And guess what? God's still good if he doesn't heal it. 
He's still good. And here's, here's every time you see a healing take place, it's a fulfillment of this scripture, Mark 8, 16, 18. And I'm just pulling some scripture here. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. A healing trick takes place. Anytime someone is filled with the Spirit, that they are just overflowing with the Spirit, it's a fulfillment of Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be what? You ought to get baptized. Pastor Brandon said something happened when he came out of the water. I got words for it. Obedience precedes blessing. He obeyed the word and got blessed by doing so. Woo, it's awesome. We celebrate. That's that whole wall over there, made new. That's that whole wall. We've been baptizing people. Uh, I've been here six and a half years, almost seven years now. That whole wall are people who we've been baptized. It's awesome. I can't wait till we have to build another wall because we're baptizing people. Whew, come on, I'm getting fiery. Here we go. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you at salvation, listen, that is a fulfillment. The Holy Spirit is a gift for you and I, and it's awesome. Here's another one. If you've been walking in freedom and bondage or know anyone that's walking in that, and they've been healed, they've been set free, it's a fulfillment of this, John 8, 36. So if the Son, referring to Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. So walking is, when you see people battle addiction and get set free, it's a fulfillment of his promise. Any move of God or work of God is a fulfillment of his word. And it's good. But here's the thing for you and I. We got to know what his word says. When we know what his word says and we see God move, you and I will have an attitude of praise. You and I will have an attitude of worship. You and I will go through life no matter what we may be facing and still say, God is good. Because I know his promises and I see his word getting fulfilled. And then you can't stop reading scripture because it's coming alive in new eyes and new fresh ways and it's exciting. Then you can nerd out with me and we can nerd together. All right. It's awesome. Let's jump back in. So any move of God or work of God is a fulfillment of scripture. And so here the disciples and 120 of them are praying together. How cool is that though? Think about that. 120 in this room praying together. And Peter says, listen. This had to be fulfilled. Scripture got fulfilled before our eyes. The scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke through David, referring to King David, concerning Judas. Now stop right there. I know some of you automatically know who this Judas is. Others of us may be a little bit unaware. So let me unpack a little bit who Judas is. But before we unpack this, not many people call their child Judas these days. There's a reason for that, and we're going to get into that. But know this before we unpack Judas. Hang out here. Judas was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus handpicked to follow after him, by the way. Get this, and we're going to unpack Judas. It's not enough to see God work around us. We must allow God to work in us. I think one of the biggest tragedy is you go to Radiant Life and you attend and you see people get saved, you see people baptized, you see people get healed, be filled by the Spirit, worship differently, and you sit there and you're just a spectator, not a participator. That you're like, yeah, God is moving, but my question is, is he moving here? Is he moving within you, changing you to look more and more like his son, Jesus Christ? So the scripture had to be fulfilled 
through what David said concerning Judas. Who was Judas? Judas was one of the 12 disciples. I'm going to show you a map of Israel, and what's in black is the regions of Israel. Here's what's fascinating about Jesus' 12 disciples. Did Jesus have more than 12? Yes. We're told that he had a group of disciples, but chose 12 out of there to be like in this inner circle together. And all of a sudden, what we realize is you study the disciples, that 11 of his 12 disciples are from this region, Galilee. These Jews that live there are more secular Jews. They're more caught up in the world. There was a major trade route that ran through Israel, but, at, but it went like finger-like at the top of the Sea of Galilee out, and it went to present-day Turkey, which was in the ancient world they called it Asia Minor. It went all over the place. This was a very secularized Big, vibrant culture, all these meshes of cultures coming together. So the Jews that lived there were more secular Jews. And 11 of the guys that Jesus asked to follow after him are from here. What's interesting is only one of the disciples is from this region, Judea. Can you guess what disciples from here? Judas. What's interesting about the Jews that live here, these are the more sophisticated religious Jews, if you will. You know why? What is this region? They had is Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the religious hub of the Jewish faith. They had the temple. They're more sophisticated. The schools, if you want to be a rabbi, a lot of the rabbinic schools are in this area right here, and that's where Judas is from. He's the only one that's from there. Here's, here's Judas's role in the group, in Jesus' tribe. Here's what Jesus did. John chapter 13, verse 29. Since Judas had charge of the money, Judas was the treasurer of the 12 disciples. He was in charge of the money bag. Let me ask you a question. Do you put someone in charge of money, someone you trust? Probably you don't put someone that you don't trust in charge of the money. That's what we would call unwise, right? They probably trusted him. And, and maybe perhaps, we don't know, maybe perhaps Judas was really good with numbers and money. He's one of those guys that liked Excel spreadsheets, right? That lived off that thing. And he was in charge of the money. Here's what's also interesting about Judas. He was one of the 12, but look what Matthew records. Jesus called his 12 disciples, Judas being one of them, to him and gave them, what's this one word? Gave them authority. The disciples were given authority. Judas, being one of them, given authority to what? To drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Whew. Think about this. Judas had authority to do so. Yet he still betrayed Jesus. He had the authority to drive out demonic influence, to heal people. Judas... Think about this. Judas got to walk with God in the flesh. Judas got to talk with God in the flesh in Jesus. Judas got to see Jesus walk on water. Judas got to sit under the teachings and hear the most beautiful message Jesus gave in what I believe is the Sermon on the Mount. Judas heard all the great parables. He heard the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. He heard the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus, or Judas heard all that. He was around Jesus. 
He saw Jesus feed 5,000 people. He saw Jesus feed 4,000 people. He saw Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb of death to rise. And he saw a widow's son be risen from the dead as they progressed in their funeral service. Judas saw it all and had authority and power from Jesus, yet still betrayed Jesus. In fact, here's a word that they describe Judas in John. This is Judas speaking after a woman just poured perfume on Jesus. He says, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It is worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a what, friends? Hmm. Three years he was around Jesus, yet he's a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. A little bit for me, I'll keep a little bit for Jesus and the disciples. No one's going to know. I'm just going to keep stealing. And then in the midst of all of it, Jesus has a tough teaching. Jesus teaches a couple tough times when, in fact, the crowds leave him. And Jesus often will turn to his disciples and says, what about you guys? What are you guys going to do with me? And Jesus was teaching the crowds, and he was talking about how he's the bread of life, that you got to consume me, the bread of life. I'm the only thing that will satisfy you in this world, that will give you joy. And here is the, um, the conversation in John 6. It says, yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Who is Jesus talking to? His disciples, Judas being one. And then they're like, no, 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 no. Peter's like, hey, where are we going to turn? Jesus, you have the words of life. We believe you. And he, he says, we've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You're all we have, Jesus. We're not going to fall away from you like the crowd did. We'll follow after you. And here's what Jesus says. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you? I chose the 12 of you. Even Judas, I chose you. The 12, yet one of you is a devil. And he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the 12, was later to betray him. In fact, in the Last Supper, Matthew records the night before um, Judas is going to get up and betray, but they're having a last meal together known as the Last Supper. And here's what Jesus says about Judas. The son of man will go, just as is written about him. Again, son of man is Jesus' favorite term, endearment, about himself. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Yet Jesus still chose him to follow after. Please hear this, and I love you. But if you don't see Jesus through the lens of a saving faith, you'll see Jesus as something to use and not someone to serve. I don't know if Judas just loved money and that's why he kept stealing. I, I don't know. But there was something with Judas that was different from the other 11. I think there's some unbelief. I'm wondering how true is this statement in American Christianity today? 
You've fallen in love with Jesus. You follow after him. You've put your faith and trust. You've entered salvation, as we call it. And then you're sitting, Jesus, I want you to do what I want you to do. I'm not going to bend my will. I'm not going to bend my knee to serve you. But just as long as you keep me away from trouble. And thank you, by the way, for the ticket out of hell. Because that doesn't sound good to be there. Thank you for that. I wonder if this does not sound like more like Christianity instead of us coming and saying, Jesus, you are first and I'm here to serve you. It is about you. It always will be about you. Forever and ever, amen, you reign. I don't. And it's about you. And if I, I love you and I want to be honest with you. I wonder if we haven't sold out to an Americanized Jesus and not a Jesus of the scriptures. The Americanized Jesus says, hey, fall in love with him, follow after him. Hey, you're not going to go to hell. This is great. And it ends. We fall in love with Americanized Jesus who we think, as long as I follow and do good things, I will be okay. The Jesus of scripture says this, you want to follow after me, which he wants everyone to. I don't want to scare you away from Jesus. I think we need to be awakened to the truth of what a disciple actually is. Jesus says these words. You want to come after me? Deny yourself. And pick up your cross daily. Ouch. I mean, I got to pick up the instrument of death? It's not this cute little thing. When, when our brothers and sisters in the first century saw a cross, they saw torture and death. We are 2,000 years removed of that execution, and we just see this cute cross. But to those who heard Jesus' words, they knew what it meant. We have to dethrone ourselves and put God on his throne of our hearts. We must dethrone ourselves. And here, please hear me out. Don't confuse knowing about God with really knowing God. There's a difference here. It, it, what's the difference is knowing about God is a lot of head knowledge. But really knowing God is a heart transformation. Where your entire life now looks like Jesus Christ. So it, does your life back up a testimony of faith? Or would your coworkers, your classmates, your friends, would they say, he knows Jesus, she knows Jesus, or would they be shocked that you're a Christian? What you do on Friday night does reflect who Jesus is. What you do Saturday night reflects who Jesus is. I do believe it is a radical lifestyle change, but it's for your better. He's not a killjoy. I gotta tell you, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it'll be the craziest ride you ever took on. It'll be better than drugs, it'll be better than alcohol and any girl or boy you ever dated. Come on, parents, I needed you on that one. <laughs> Here, here's a scary verse. Lean in for me. Lean, lean in, lean. I don't want to scare you. I want us to awaken. There's so much more. Amen, friends. There's more. There's more. Look at this, what Matthew, this is Jesus. Matthew records this for us. He says this: Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. What is he saying? Here's what's crazy. These people, are prophesying 
these people are driving out demons because Jesus never addressed them and said, you guys didn't do that. You're off your rocker. He didn't say that. They said, we did these things. Uh, We did miracles. But here's what's interesting. They did it in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power. Jesus says, listen, you may have done all these things because you did it in my name. Because my name has power. But I never had here. The Greek word here is gnoskos. Intimacy. Here's what Titus says about this too. Please lean in. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. Ryan, this is really uplifting today. It's questioning my faith. Am I even saved today? It's not my heart. My heart is Judas was around Jesus his entire life, but never knew Jesus. Just because you're at this church or another church does not mean you'll go to heaven. Just because you read your Bible X number of times in a week does not mean you'll go to heaven. Just because you try to be a good person and say nice things does not mean you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. There is only one way to heaven. It is through Jesus Christ. That is the way to heaven. And it's a knee of surrender to him as Lord of Lords, King of Kings. I love this. This is talking about Judas here. Uh, When he betrays Jesus, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief's priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him, referring to Jesus, over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. Do you know how much 30 pieces of silver was back in the day? You and I are probably thinking, well, maybe a million dollars, maybe at least 400 million. I mean, to betray the Son of God, 30 pieces of silver, four months' wage. Judas betrayed Jesus for four months' wage. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke through King David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number. He was, within, he was in the inn. And he shared in our ministry. Listen, friends, you and I, we all have a choice Judas had a choice. You and I have the exact same choice. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus Christ? You surrender and go all in, or you remain in unbelief and not affected by who he is? So many conversations, Ryan, I just don't understand. How can a loving God, though, send people to hell? A loving God never sends people to hell. You have to step over Jesus Christ to get to hell. You have free, you and I have free will. God says, I love you and his heart and desires for everyone to come into knowledge of who he is. But you and I have that choice. What will we do with Jesus? Judas had that choice and he went the wrong way. Jump back into the book of Acts. It says, with the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong 
His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. E. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this too, and they called the field in their language a kalekadama, that is, field of blood. Now, if you know anything about Judas, some of you are literally sitting back going, wait, I thought Judas hung himself. But Luke records for us, he fell and burst open. Which one's correct? Yes. Here's what Matthew says, real quick. I want to give you uh, an idea. When Judas had betrayed him, Jesus, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Okay, stop right there. Ryan, didn't he repent? No. The Greek word here is not the same for repent. This Greek word right here, it means the mind was overwhelmed with grief. It is not the same as the repentant heart of sorrowful repentance of I'm walking this direction and I'm turning back to you, Jesus. It's different. You and, you and I can sin and say, ah, oh, God, I'm sorry for that sin. Like, I shouldn't have done that. But what, what do you and I do? We go do it again, don't we? See, that's not re repentance. This is not the same. And what does he do? He throws back. He's like, forget it. I can't. Take this money. Take it. I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility, Judas. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up coins and said, it's against the law to put this into the treasury. It's blood money. We used it to betray Jesus and crucify him. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it's been called the field of blood to this day, the field of blood. Now, so did Judas hang himself? Did he fall? Intestines burst open. Even um, Josephus, who is the Jewish historian during the time of Jesus, writes that Judas hung himself, but the rope cut loose. Some way, somehow, he slipped out, fell on the ground, intestines spill open. Either way, that's a bad way. But let me take a moment. Judas committed suicide. The last two weeks, I've talked to two different individuals in my office that have struggled deeply. I'm telling you, they're in a dark place. I've had Christian families in my office where my heart breaks because they are literally wondering is their loved one in heaven or not because they took their life? And they want me to answer that. There's two camps, and I was kind of growing up on this thought, not really sure where it came, but the thought was this in this camp, that suicide is murder. It's breaking a commandment. You are murdering yourself. Therefore, breaking of the commandment, you die. It's your last act. You are in hell. I don't see that in scripture. Because hear me out, if that is your line of thinking, what would it look like for you to leave this church, pick up your phone and curse someone out and be angry and you're in a hurry and you accidentally run a red light and T-bone and your last act was sin? What would that do? If you had a heart, God forbid, you have a heart attack or a brain aneurysm right now and you die. 
maybe your last act was a sin. I don't like that line of thinking. I think our God is bigger than that and full more full of grace than that. That's not a way to live your life, sitting there going, you better be praying for forgiveness every waking second of your life then. I don't think that's a loving God. But please hear my heart. Ryan, where does the Christian who committed suicide go? I don't fully know. But I would never risk my eternity on that decision. I don't think we have clear evidence one way or the other in Scripture. But I know this, it leaves a wake of a mess to clean up for your family and friends. So many times in my office, if I just picked up that phone one more time, would it made a difference? And the guilt, and I'm sitting there going, you don't live in that guilt because you don't know. What happened if I didn't say that one thing? I said, you can't live into that because we don't know. Don't carry that pressure. But if you are in this room and you have thought about suicide, I want you to know a few things. Your life has value. If the enemy's probably getting in your head right now, you have value in life. That God has a plan for your life. That God created you for purpose, on purpose. And he's got a plan for you to fulfill and to walk out in this life. That God loves you more than you can imagine. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He loves you. You're a son of him. You are a daughter of the king of kings. And you may not feel like anyone in this world loves you, but please know your heavenly father deeply loves you. And God understands where you're at. You're right, you may sit there and talk to someone and say, you just don't understand, and they probably honestly don't, but your heavenly father does. And he wants to hear your heart. And lastly, know this, God wants to help you, and so do we. So do we. You matter to God, and you matter to us at Radiant Life. But if you're going through this, please, please, please tell someone and reach out. Tell someone and reach out. It does not mean if you have suicidal thoughts that you are weak, you are wrong, or you're making it up. It doesn't. I'm here to tell you that it's not the answer, though, and there's more to life, and God wants to help, and we at this church want to help you. Amen, friends? There's more. So please reach out. I think a lot of things are complicated with suicidal thoughts. Some could be demonic oppression. Some could be chemical imbalances. Some literally could just be the stress and weight and anxiety of life. We have six instances in scripture where you either have a suicide completed or an assisted suicide happen. You have six instances. You have men of God, prophets that said, God, just kill me now. I'm done with life. It was the weight of life on them. But God's there to lift you up, and so are we. Please reach out. Please reach out. So back in Acts, Peter's now going to say, for Peter said, it's written in the book of Psalms. These are these two scriptures, the fulfillment, 
that David wrote in the Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership, referring to Judas. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time where, when Jesus was taken up for us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So what are they doing? They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. They're in prayer. Now they're literally going, we got to replace Judas. One of us. What was the requirements? Real quick, as we're closing. First, with, they were with Jesus from the beginning. They were there at John's baptism of Jesus when the heavens opened up. The Spirit of God fell down. The Holy Spirit fell like a dove upon Jesus. And you heard the voice, this is my son, my beloved son. With him I am well pleased. I have no idea what God's voice sounds like. But... We often think like that. But they were with Jesus from the beginning. Since baptism, they had to have seen the resurrection. So Jesus defeating death three days later, the resurrection. They had to have seen the ascension. Jesus hanging out for 40 days and then ascending to the Father. And they would be chosen by God. Those are the three requirements in order to replace Judas. And then as we're closing, so they nominated two men. Joseph, called Barsabbas also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they, what friends? They, they prayed. They have a major decision to do. We have to replace Judas, who betrayed Jesus. And they didn't just go, well, we want these two men, and we're going to play any, mini miny, mo real quick. They said, no, this must be bathed in prayer. Please hear me out. Bathe every decision in prayer. Bathe every decision in prayer. Should we buy and sell this home? I don't know. Bathe it in prayer. What should I do about my next job? Do I take it? Do I not take it? Bathe it in prayer. Bathe in prayer. Should I marry this person or not? Should I keep dating or not? Bathe it in prayer. Amen, moms and dads. Hey, please hear me. Throw me under the bus, parents. Anyone in this room? If you're dating and they're not leading you more to Jesus... All right? Please hear me out. There is no such thing as missionary dating. You don't save anyone, God does. And you can bathe them in prayer in order for them to get saved, but you could say, hey, y'all need Jesus, I'll date you when you get Jesus. I'm telling you, don't settle. Please turn to your neighbor and say, well, no, that's weird. Never mind. Just don't settle. Don't settle. Find someone who loves the Lord. Find someone who loves the Lord and walk with them. Bathe every decision in prayer. And here's what's awesome. It's so awesome. So they're bathing this decision on prayer. Is it Justice or Matthias? Who should replace? Why are they praying? Jesus modeled it. Luke records who wrote Acts as this. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples, a ton of them, to him. And out of that, he chose 12 of them who'd be designed, or assigned, designed apostles. So Jesus, you prayed for the 12. And now we're praying to replace the one. Bathe every decision in prayer. Up until this point, what can you and I learn in chapter 1? If you follow Jesus here this morning, please, we have a lot to learn from the apostles in chapter 1. But get this. The disciples obeyed. 
they're still waiting for the Holy Spirit that Jesus says to wait. Obedience precedes blessing. Can you imagine if they just ran and said, God, we don't need the Holy Spirit. We'll try it on our own power. I think that's what too many of us Christians today. They obeyed. They were in unity and fellowship with each other. They were in a biblical community that Pastor Brandon was telling you about. They were in prayer. They were in the scriptures. They knew the scriptures. Paul stood, or Peter stood up and says, listen, remember the Psalms that David wrote, right? It, it was the fulfillment of those. They desired God's will. They're seeking God. What one of these two? We want your will. They did what Jesus did. He modeled them prayer. They're in prayer together. And they relied on God. God, you're going to choose the one. Reveal it to us. We have a lot to learn from these apostles, the disciples in chapter 1. And so they nominated the two men. They prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Isn't that an interesting statement? Huh. He went to where he belongs. Let me ask you that question. Where do you belong in eternity? Where do you belong? We have two options, friend. It's heaven or hell. And God's desire for all his children, for all of creation, is he desires you in all of eternity. Be with me. You're my children. And they cast lots. You and I are so far removed from, 2,000 years removed from lots, we don't know. It's like rolling dice. It's like, here you go. But they relied on the Lord because this is the Proverbs they always relied on. The lot is cast in the lap, but it's, but it's very, every decision is from the Lord. They, they never cast, this is the last time they ever cast lots in scripture. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is about to fall in Acts chapter 2, which we'll get into next week. The Holy Spirit's about to fall. The Holy Spirit is upon everyone. Now we have the presence of God and we don't have to cast lots. We can know God's will because he resides within he resides within. And the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. You know what's interesting about Matthias? He would go and serve to the Lord, or serve the Lord. And what we're told with Matthias is that as he spread the gospel message, one day came where he was eventually killed, and this is his death. They shoved Matthias off a cliff stoned him to death, threw rocks at him and killed him, and then cut his head off. But you and I, if you follow Jesus, you'll meet Matthias one day. Where will you belong in eternity? But remember, there's a choice to make. This hinges on what you do with Jesus Christ. And I don't mean to scare you if you follow Jesus this morning and you're like, man, I don't, like I said earlier, am I even saved? Ryan's scaring me. Jesus makes it so simple. It's like the last, Romans. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what, friends? That's it. 
Confess, declare it with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God did raise him from the dead. The demons do that, but the demons can't say Jesus is Lord. They, they, they can't. They're like, oh, you probably are the son of God, but listen, you're not Lord of my life. I mean, even the demons believe in him. But they're not saved. You and I can get saved. If, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. What does that mean? That you're in right standing. That you are justified. That when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. It's the, it's the term justification. It's, it's a legal declaration on your life that you are innocent because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So let me close. Where do you belong? One disciple we'll get to see. Because he had to replace a disciple who was around Jesus, hung out with Jesus, but chose to walk away from him. Where will you belong? I'm going to ask you in this moment, will you please stand? And I want to say a blessing over you guys. I want to pray for you. Just bow your head, if you will. Just close your eyes. And I just want you to think Honestly, think of that. Where will you belong in eternity? Maybe for some of you in this moment, you're not sure. Well, we can live into the fulfillment of Scripture in Romans 10 right now. Declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You can do that right now where you're at if you need to. Declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You can do that right now in this moment. Just declare it and declare it. Declare Jesus is Lord. Maybe for some of us, we have been following after Jesus, but we realize, you know what? I know a lot about him, but I don't know him. He's here for you to know him intimately and personally and deeply. He can't wait to walk in that relationship with you. Maybe that's you this morning. You need to just confess some things to him. Do it right now. Get your heart right back with God. And Heavenly Father, maybe for some of us, we just got to surrender. That's what it comes down to. We have to go all in with you. We got to surrender more. Too many, too often, Lord, and I confess this in front of my, my church family. I ask you to bless my plans and not humbly submit myself to yours. And God, I want to do that now. I just want to humbly submit to you. That we want to go all in with you. Because there is no ride or walk or journey in this life like walking with you being filled with your spirit and your leading so father move in a mighty way in our lives whether we know you in this moment or been walking or don't walk with you God I do pray for salvation I pray if there's anyone in this room that needs to know you I pray that they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord they would believe in their heart they are saved Lord you made it easy thank you thank you for not complicating it but may we walk in it. 
God, we get to surrender, and when we surrender, we get to see you and know you, that we are clothed in righteousness, that we are made right with you, that we have power and authority over the enemy of our soul. Empower us. God, you are high and holy. You are the high and holy king, and we worship you, and we surrender to you, and we go all in with you. May we be obedient. May we be people of your word. May we be people of the spirit. May we be people of Jesus Christ, but it takes surrender to do so. So, Father, we give you all praise. We give you all honor. We give you all glory, and we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.